Before we hear God's word, would you join me in a prayer of illumination? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy word, which nourishes us for our faith journey. We ask now that your servant, Pastor Steve, would be an instrument of your will, of your grace, of your peace, of the truth that comes from scripture, that would give us all um, nourishment for this week. It would illuminate your, your word in a new and fresh way, and that your spirit would move in us, that we would be able to grow and be more and more like you, understanding your heart deeper and deeper as we understand your word just a little bit more today. We ask that you would give Pastor Steve the words that you have in his heart um, that are from you. In this we ask in your holy name. Amen. Amen. If you brought your Bible with you today, since there's none in the seats, uh, feel free to grab it and turn to Psalm 130. We're going to continue this series, this kind of short, I'm going to call it a short series on the Psalms because there's 150 Psalms and we're not going to go all through, through all of them. Um, and I also call it short because after we're done with this series, we're going to be actually moving to a series where we're going to go through the entire Bible, or at least most of it. I'm excited. I think it's like 42 weeks, a 42-week sermon series. We're going to start in Genesis and we're going to end in Revelation and we're going we're gonna to hit various stories upon uh, the whole time to try to get an idea of what is the grand picture of what's going on in the Bible. So join us. I think that's going to start July 20-something, 20 27, whatever the Sunday closest to that date is. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere around there. Uh, that's when we're going to start that series, right in Genesis 1. So feel free to come back, tune in, join us for that. Uh, We've looked at a few psalms so far, Psalm 34, Psalm 121, uh, my friend Becky led us through, and last week was Psalm 63, and now we're going to turn to what I said earlier, Psalm 130, so let's read that together. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquity or keep track of sin, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. You know, maybe you noticed in that passage the word wait, W-A-I-T. It was used several times, particularly in the middle there. Here's from a different translation. With all my heart, I wait for the Lord to help me. I put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord to help me. I wait with more longing than those on guard duty waiting for the morning. I'll say it again. I wait with more longing than those on guard duty wait for the morning. You could even translate verse 7 with the word wait instead of hope. Wait for the Lord. 
expect the Lord to do something is maybe another way we could put it. I think we experience the word wait differently as we go throughout all of our lives, don't we? Maybe now you think about being waited to be seated at a restaurant. Actually, maybe now that doesn't happen because they're not supposed to be really hanging out in waiting rooms, are we? But you, you waited at one time to, to get into a restaurant. I can think of one example just before everything got shut down. Emily and I went to the Cheesecake Factory, as did everyone else in Grand Rapids. We went there on a Friday evening, and we figured we were going to go maybe a little bit later, so that way it wouldn't be a big deal. We were going to put our kids to bed uh, or something like that and go there maybe 8 o'clock at night. And, and we went there later and we said, all right, well, so we waited in line to get one of those buzzers. When we got up to the front of the line, they didn't have any more buzzers and they said, come back, wait a little while, come back and maybe we'll have a buzzer and we'll give it to you. So we waited some more, we walked around the mall and so on, we came back, we got a buzzer and then we started waiting some more. An hour passed, that's when we thought we would be eating, and that's kind of what they said, and then all of a sudden it turned into like an hour and three quarters, and we waited for the server to bring us to the table, and then we waited for the server to come back, and we waited for our food. Right, there's all this time where you wait, and sometimes waiting cannot be necessarily the easiest thing, but we see it all over the place. We wait for meetings to start. Tracy, we're going to wait for everybody else to get here and then we'll start the meeting, right? That's the kind of way we have to make sure everyone's here before we begin. There's the rooms that you have to wait in that are like, all right, you need your brakes changed. Okay, well, grab coffee and wait over here at the dealership while your brakes are fixed. We wait for the doctor to come in. We wait in the waiting room to even go into the, the small room that they put us in. Maybe some people are waiting to return to church. This isn't the whole congregation here. This is a small percentage of it. We wait. Sometimes other people wait. I don't know if this phrase was used in my house as a kid, but it has been used in my house. Wait till your father gets home. There was something that was added to that, I think, to the lightning of, he likes to give spankings. And I'm like, what are you trying to say about me? Right? Wait till your father gets home. Waiting oftentimes has this connotation of we need to be patient. It's, it's like I'm waiting, to, I'm driving somewhere, and I'm waiting to get there, and, and, and in my mind, it's gonna, that car ride is going to be so peaceful. No one's going to be talking. Maybe I'll be listening to some of my favorite music and we'll just be letting the miles pass as we drive through. Or you're just going to wait for your car to be done and you're just kind of patiently waiting there, reading a book that you hadn't had to pick up in a little while. Oftentimes, that's the way people envision waiting. It's something that happens with an, an immense amount of patience, stillness in quietness. But I think there's a different picture of waiting that we can get, and we actually get it in this passage, and the best way to understand that is to look at how children wait. If it's been a few years since you've had children, I can give you pictures of what it looks like. Children do not wait patiently and quietly. 
If you're driving in a car, you hear, are we there yet? Over and over and over and over again. You know, they'll, they'll continue to ask, you know, is it time yet? Just yesterday, my kids, we said we were going to go over and eat with some friends. And for the whole afternoon, they were asking, is it time to go there yet? There's this expectation, this sense of urgency. And you can, you can also see it when kids are waiting for their birthday to come. Right, Cohen? Cohen's birthday isn't until August 1st, but he knows that in our family, Peyton's birthday's in the January, then mine's February, then Emily's is in May, and then his is next. So you never stop hearing about it from about May 17, the day after Emily's birthday, till August 1st when it's his. There's this expectation, this exciting thing, I'm going to be a year older, and perhaps there's even going to be a gift involved. Waiting. Waiting with impatience. Waiting for something to happen. And that's why the passage says, waiting more than watchmen for the morning. Right? There's this picture of watchmen. And the idea was there's these guards at the city that are, are looking out into the distance, peering out into the darkness to see if there's any danger going to be coming. If there's anything coming, and, and they're going to look intently the entire time because they're on duty. And they're waiting, too, expectantly for the morning to come. Because when the morning comes, when the light rises and the sun peers over the mountains or whatever's in their horizon, they know that it's easier to spot those adversaries and it's, it's likely that they'll have more safety when it's light out. I guess we don't necessarily have watchmen looking out over the corners of our cities, peering out into the cornfields and so on. Maybe one way we could think about it is when we have tornado watches. The, the atmosphere is ready and it could have a tornado, but they're not sure, so there's these people that are watching intently to see if there's any storm that's going to bring a tornado, and, and if there is, uh, then it's not a watch anymore. Then it's a more warning, right? Very localized. But uh, if, it's, if it's a watch, they're peering and they're waiting intently for that storm to pass and for no damage to take place. And the psalm writer, he's waiting for the Lord to act. He's waiting because he's struggling with his own guilt. The psalmist says, who could stand? Lord, suppose you kept a record of sins. Lord, who then wouldn't be found guilty? The psalm writer himself, as well as Israel, they wait on the Lord to save. The, the Lord is, is the creator. It's the, it's the one who has been there with them the entire time, and he's the only one that has been able to, to save them. And so they wait, and they're worried, and they have this 
this turmoil because they know that they've fallen short of what was expected of them. And they know that if God kept a record of those wrongs, that that list could potentially be very long. Even the smallest of things that they would have done, they wouldn't have been able to stand up to God's righteousness. I think the thing about sin that's often easy is for us to see sin in other people's lives. But it's more difficult to see it and admit it to ourselves that we are sinners. You can see the picture when you look at children. Once again, first children waiting, but now children apologizing. We try to teach my children to do that, but for some reason, when they need to apologize to another child, it's, it's, it's like pulling teeth out. They don't want to admit that they did something wrong. They don't want to want to speak up and say, I'm sorry, because then it really says, yeah, I did, I did mess up. And we wait. We wait impatiently because God's got to do something. God's, God's going to do something, but, but what is it? How long is it going to take, O oh Lord? We're, we're waiting for you to do something. Come save us. And that's where we see the psalmist move to the gracious and compassionate nature of God. Verse 4, but with you, there is forgiveness. There's a theologian named Martin Luther who's credited with being kind of the instigator, the initiator of the Protestant Reformation. And he called this psalm a Pauline psalm. Paul is one of the major writers of the New Testament, and in, in all of Paul's books that he wrote, uh, you, you hear of this graciousness of God that he gives grace to people before they've even done anything. And, and that's what Martin Luther saw in this psalm. There is an unmerited favor that God gives, a forgiveness that He gives before we do anything. Perhaps even while we're wallowing in our own guilt and struggle, God extends mercy. And the psalmist knows that God's redemption is plentiful. It is, it is so great and so big that it can heal so many things. His redemption heals broken and fractured relationships. His redemption transforms society. His redemption ultimately renews the entire world. And our Savior delights in making you new. He delights in making me new. He delights in making all things new to mend fences between others, to bring joy where there was once despair. And doing that all so He may be glorified. 
Though Jesus does not perfect our circumstances in this world, and there's going to be times where we need to wait. We wait impatiently for, for justice. We wait impatiently to see the righteousness of God displayed in our world. We wait impatiently for the circumstances of our world to change. Even among that, though, God is still bringing renewal. As we wait like those watchmen peering out into our world, waiting to see something change, just as they waited for the sunrise, for dawn to come, we can see small pictures of renewal in our own lives in the lives of our community, and in the lives of our society, because what the psalmist says that he knows true, that that God will redeem all of Israel from all of their sin, we too know that it is true that God will redeem all of His creation. It will happen bit by bit at first. But then when Christ returns, all of it will be glorified and made new. Pardon for those who are sorry. Pastor, this way, God will not rest from his redemptive work until every aspect of creation has been made new again. That's the thing. He didn't come to just save me or save you. If, If that's the focus, it's a little too narrow but he's working on something so much bigger to to restore everything that sin has corrupted. And so we wait. Doesn't mean we wait in our easy chair, patiently twiddling our thumbs. But we wait expectantly expecting God to do something and expectantly because he know we know that God will use us to be a part of the work that he is doing to to use us to be agents of redemption that restoration that grace that peace and that mercy as we cooperate with the spirit to restore this world the redeemer at work in you the redeemer at work in me. So it's okay to wait. It's okay to wait and eagerly anticipate and see what God is doing and and try to find that out, but once you see what God is doing, then we can't wait expectantly anymore. Then we join in. We join in in what God is doing. We join in, we leave our waiting to the side, and we begin acting. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this picture of waiting. Waiting and expecting something to happen as we we wait today and, and expect something good to happen. We expect you to be made known, and we expect people to be restored to one another. As we wait, we we ask for you to make clear how we are to respond. 
We ask for you to make it clear what you desire of us in the way that we live currently that we could help just a little bit more of your kingdom be realized in this world by the power of your spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.